So welcome to the Pedagogy Podcast brought to you by the Bristol Institute of Learning and Teaching. Each week we are going to be looking at a different piece of the pedagogy pie and see how we can inspire exciting new practice at the University of Bristol. We hope you enjoy this slice of teaching and learning engagement. I am Louise Housen, a lecturer in academic development and I am joined today by one of my colleagues, uh, Emily, and she is going to be talking to us about uh, thanks but no thanks for the feedback, which was written by, if you could remind me. Yeah, Alex Forthais and Sophie Johnson from the University of Liverpool. Fantastic. So welcome along to the podcast today. Uh, first things first, could you just summarise what you think the key messages were from the paper that you read? So to me, um, hopefully that's a good interpretation, <laughs> it is about uh, the emotional reaction we have to feedback and obviously in particular students and how we can support our students best uh, with this and, and to actually welcome the feedback, not just be resistant to it. So there's a, a lot of work on emotion, motivation and growth mindsets. Fantastic. Um, so when it came to reading this, what was the kind of jump to make you think, actually, I really need to do this in my practice? So um, if I take you back a little bit, there was a presentation by a colleague from the university called Imogen Moore from the law department. Um, and she was doing a lot of work on feedback. And I was at stage where uh, I was working in the French department at the time and we were assessing every two to three weeks uh, in all our written courses and because I was teaching year one, year two and final year yeah. um, I had no week with no marking and not giving feedback um, I was getting quite exhausted by the process because I wanted to do a good job for my students <laughs> and it could, ma you know, some weeks it could mount up to 30 hours of just doing that on top of my regular week of teaching um, and outside of my door was a little folder with the leftover feedback that people did not pick up in class because they were not here. And one day that, um, that folder fell. And I thought, <laughs> I cannot keep going like this. Mm. Um, so basically, Imogen's presentation where she mentioned the article, um, that situation of me doing feedback all the time and somehow that feedback not reaching my students was a, a key moment to think, okay, we need we need to rethink how we're doing things because clearly something's not not working. Um, yes. Mm. So what did that lead you to do within your practice? So I had to <laughs> sit down and have a good think, and then to go and talk to my line manager because obviously you can't just decide to do something that no one else is doing it and no one is aware of of what you're doing because we were working as part of a team, and everyone teaching the same. Um, the same modules or units um, had to obviously have a consistent approach. Um, but we agreed to do some pilots. So with my first year students, we agreed that they wouldn't be assessed for a second assessment until they would have looked at the feedback from the first assessment and told us what they've taken away from the feedback and how it's informing their second one because it's the same it was the same format if you like um, they were working towards writing up an essay in French uh, and working towards translations um, so same approach and obviously the feedback was really relevant um, and it didn't really make sense for them to keep submitting without looking back on how they were doing mm -hmm. uh, so that was one project with year one and the second project uh, was with final years, was to uh, not give them a mark, which was not very popular. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the idea was they would submit, I would give them all the feedback that they needed, I would use the wording from the marking criteria, 
and I would then invite them into my office to have a discussion about uh, the feedback itself, but also they were assessing themselves using the marking criteria. So they had to tell me uh, for all the different categories where they thought they were and what final grade they would give themselves and what feedback they would give themselves um, based on, on all that. And then I would reveal if they still wanted to know what grade <laughs> uh, I gave them. So yes, that's a lot of work, especially if you have a lot of students. And we had a big cohort. I can, I can picture colleagues thinking, uh, no, I can't do this with 200. We had about 180. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was so interesting and it felt like an investment in time. It felt like if I do it at the beginning with them and start that dialogue, encourage them to trust me, you know, because that's that was one of the things from the article is that if you don't trust the person who gives you the feedback mm -hmm. or if you don't have that connection, it's a lot harder to hear what can be pot potentially hurtful or, you know, negative. So um, that was important to me to do that. Lovely. And what was the kind of impact? Did you get any feedback from the students about this? What kind of positives came out of this experience? Um, <laughs> for some reason, all the negatives. <laughs> can, can <laughs> no, let's focus on the positives. <laughs> um, so I think it made them more... Um, well, it made them appreciate the relationship and the efforts that I was putting in place for them and uh, making them more independent. It wasn't all about what I thought. It was very important for them to realize, okay, well, I can also be critical of my work, and if I can see things, then that will help me in everything that I do, not just this module, and also if I understand the point of feedback and how it works, and I can apply that um, in other places. Um, <laughs> yes. I will. <laughs> that's, that's what comes to mind. <laughs> and um, if someone was thinking about taking on these ideas in their own practice, uh, what kind of barriers do you think that they need to overcome in order to make sure it's going to be successful? I think you need to communicate a lot with your students. Um, that's for the student part. But the other thing is the rest of your team. Because if you're working on your own, that that is a very different situation to having four or five other colleagues who are doing the same as you and potentially will have to do this too. Mm -hmm. um, we're all very busy people. Um, <laughs> so I guess it is a conversation. You have to think, is it an investment in time that is worth doing? So at the beginning of the year, do you want to do that? Or is that going to be, you know, when do you want to do it if you're going to do it? Are you doing it as a pilot or is everyone doing the pilot? <laughs> Lovely, thank you. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about um, the article or how this is influencing your practice still? Um, hmm. I think it's uh, it's it was very rewarding for me to to be able to think. Okay, I have this issue, which I think I was sharing with other colleagues, but to try and find my own solutions to it and turning to the literature and see, okay, maybe that wasn't too crazy what I was thinking about. Actually, <laughs> it is backed up by the literature and it, it makes sense and I can try. Um, and I was so grateful for my line manager at the time to say, yeah, okay, probably will have some resistance, but um, it is an interesting project. Go try it. And I think that was, that was very nice. So yes, if you're thinking of trying something, talk to people and um, it might be worth it. Thank you very much, Emily. That was great. Thank you for having me.